Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Park. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, and before we really get into things here, I was just perusing a website. It's a good source of information on politics, but they have all sorts of websites along this theme. Real Clear Politics. They have like Real Clear Defense, Real Clear World, Real Clear Books and History. But I'm looking at the Real Clear Politics video section, and I'm not going to play any video tonight because, well, they're all boring as hell. But... I'm just looking through all these screenshots, all these thumbnails, if you will, and um, there's really, I mean, look at Rudy Giuliani there. I mean, look at Amy McGrath. I don't even know who that is. I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand kind of breaks the rule, but in general, there's a phrase out there that Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, that swamp, is um, Hollywood for ugly people. I would agree. Yeah. What is it with, I mean, there are always a few exceptions, and I'm not exactly a 10 over here, but you can groom yourself and be presentable, but why is it that people who seem to be a little bit uh, lacking in the looks department always get into politics? All their mouths are open. Yeah. They're all like mid-sentence. Ah. Right. Or, I mean, but look, oh, whoa, <laughs> Debbie Wasserman Schultz, no! It, it, it's... Oh, oh Mitch, bless her heart. Mitch McConnell really does look like a grandma. <laughs> Something uh, John Mulaney and uh, Nick Kroll in their uh, Oh Hello Broadway like stage play, like two-man show they did. They're like, what is it about when men get older? No matter their ethnicity or really where they're from, as they get older, they start looking like old Jewish women. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe it's they, they didn't go into politics looking like that. It's possible. They just age. Yeah, it's like the, the before... Obama was president and after pictures oh, and stuff. It's bad. Yeah. Well, and by the way, we're not, I haven't introduced the cast of characters. We have uh, Mr. Spotlow over here. He needs his proper introduction. Excuse me, pardon me. It's a Nazi! <laughs> it was a Nazi! <laughs> How are you, my favorite Native American Nazi? <laughs> I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Thank glad, you. I'm glad that you're here. And we, of course, have Eric, husband. Oh, yes. How are you? Good. How's the wife? Wonderful. I mean, I see her every day, too. Yeah. It's like, hey, what's up, Emily? Yep. Yeah. How's that going? It's I mean it's all great. Yeah. I have I I have I have no complaints. I heard you're getting another cat. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay, I'm I'm joking. We'll, Just kidding. We'll get into that Love later. You, and we have a, a new cast member here on the Joey Clark Radio Hour with with Vern. Yeah, Vernon. Vernon. Yeah. Either way. Vernon. Either I'm way. terrible with names. I'm tired. I think we met, you said at the wedding. 
Yeah, we did. And I'm... And I'd listened to you before... Um, I'm tired. I was tired and drunk that day. I'm not drunk tonight. Well, but, also, uh, also, like me at the wedding, he was with facial hair. Oh, okay. So, well, I didn't shave it off. I just I sucked it back into my face. Wow, that's... It grows out thicker on my shoulders. If, if you, you like... <laughs> if you like... <laughs> can you push it? Oh, nice. No, you can't push it back out. You can only suck it in. You goes it goes south. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between, Vernon is not lying. He actually does have hairy shoulders. He looks like a werewolf. We were roommates for a while. That's impressive, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. actually like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the back hair before. I've never seen hairy shoulders. Oh, yeah. before. That's, that That's is wicked. remarkable. So you can't push it out. My brother and I had this conversation. Like when you're trying to pass a good BM, just... <laughs> it sprouts right out of your face, but you can suck it in, and it appears elsewhere in your body. Yeah, yeah, that's I like this. Well, speaking of BMs, tell him what you told me when I turned thirty, because he's thirty, right? I just turned thirty. I'll be thirty-one in December first. This is what he told me. Oh, Good life lesson. It's uh, a, it's my opinion that when you turn thirty, you know, much like uh, when you hit retirement age, they should send you out, you know, like an AARP letter, mm-hmm. but just like, look, you've turned thirty now. Just relax on the BMs. You've got plenty of time because you know, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people have had a, a you know a hemorrhoid, but right. that was uh, not a good part of of me turning thirty. I went, whoa! I just got to slow down. Now. Right, you can hurt yourself really yeah, quick. Yeah, no, and I know just what wait. you speak. Yeah, just just take it easy. Like I, I have a good rhythm. I have a good morning routine now. Especially, you know, get some water in you, get some oh. caffeine in you, coffee or an energy drink or whatever, and then just let it happen in the morning. Make time. You need to get a letter, though, mm-hmm. in the mail <laughs> that says, look. Because not everybody knows this. No, I freaked out one day in college. It was a long, <laughs> long, like, three months. of I, You know the place Guthrie's? It was only in Auburn for a while. It was here yeah. in Montgomery for a little while. But it, essentially fried chicken, toast, f- french fries, all sorts of sauce. It was just beer, liquor, Guthrie's. Beer, liquor, Guthrie's. Energy drink. Every day for months. And one day there was blood. And I'm freaking out going, I, I have butt cancer. Oh, no. Like, no, man, just change your diet. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. You know, it is weird. You, you get older and you start freaking out over little ailments. And really, everybody had them as they get older, but I don't, you're right, we need like a, a mail order letter or an email or some sort of text message maybe? Pre-AARP. Hmm. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a word. religious man. But, Wait, how uh, old are you? <laughs> uh, I'm 35 now. Okay, so, so you, got, you got that five years on me. You've been through the 30s. It's, it, it gets worse. It gets worse. Yeah. See, yeah. we we all grew up together. <laughs> I am finding hairs elsewhere. <laughs> I can't wait till your hair starts falling out. And I'll be like, Ha-ha! well, no, my, I'm like, I have a grandfather on one side whose hair is falling out, and then the other grandfather who's like 82, 83, yeah. he uh, he's got a full head of hair. God, you yeah. have beautiful hair. Mm-hmm. Terrible. We'll see. I'm shedding like crazy, but that's just a long hair thing. Women tell me, so I was freaking out about that. <laughs> and then, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is your hair falling out? Every day. Every day? Yeah. And it's, yours it's, is obviously falling out, Seth. No, I, I chopped it all off. I don't even notice anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, mine's gone. 
just it's gone. Just, I just miss her clean it. No, it's you know? the right approach in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, why not? We convinced a buddy before his wedding. I mean, he had been balding since, like, 10th grade. It's like, dude. And he has very faint, like, light blonde hair. And so it was just like these little wisps you couldn't even see anyhow. It's like, dude, just shave it off. Yeah. We helped him. We? We? How many? Yeah, me and Andrew. Oh, okay, cool. Or Andrew and I. Grammar Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you say you're not, you're not really a religious man, but I think I want to convert you tonight, Vernon. Sure. You need to join the church of Marianne Williamson. She's one of these yahoos running for the Democratic nomination mm. to be president and you know i'm actually i was getting a kick out of her because her closing statement um she said something that said uh you know okay yeah here's the exact quote of what she said in her closing statement i'm going to harness love for political purposes i will meet you on that field and sir talking about donald trump love will win I'm like this is awesome this woman must be the nominee for the democrats Please, please, please. And not just, it's not Ooh, some... Is he the witch? The witch, right? Yeah. It's oh, not oh, some oh. It's not some ploy, though, to like have Trump win. I just think it would be the most entertaining campaign in human history, by far. Um, but she's not just like talking out of her backside. She feels it. You can tell. No, it's not that... It, it, she does feel it, but it's not just that either. She didn't come up with this on her own. She actually has a source, and maybe this is a, a new religion... Um, you know, I did some research. I looked at, actually, I didn't do the research. I just looked at peer research. Here in Montgomery, um, the vast majority, well, not the vast majority, but the largest group, I'm speaking too fast, the largest group is still Baptist, like 30%. Mm-hmm. But the second largest group in Montgomery is the non-affiliated. Now, that can be like 1%, 2% atheist, agnostic. Uh, then there's kind of new age beliefs, these sorts of things. But it's a lar- some Christian believers who just don't go to church, don't believe in organized religion. So it's a, But that's the second biggest group. And so there are a lot of people out there and hungry, and it, it is an American thing. Where, like, I mean, where do you think the Mormons came from? I don't buy the whole Joseph Smith story, but apparently it's popular enough. They started a state. It's a crazy story. <laughs> it really is. And I have to tip my hat at South Park, <laughs> Trey Parker, Matt Stone, for doing that. Uh, the Book of Mormon. I still need to see that musical. Um, but the one episode of South Park they did is just genius. Absolutely genius. But this is where Marianne Williamson is apparently coming from. Oh, wow. She's hot. Yeah, she, she's strangely attractive. Right, she's got my vote. She's about to turn 60. Really? Really? Yeah. I bet, man, I bet it takes a pound of makeup. Yeah, well, I mean, guys and girls up on that stage. You know, you mentioned, Eric, like, it has been with almost every president, whether it's Clinton or W, or, I mean, you can go back to Reagan and whatnot, but Obama, he comes in, Obama's got all this energy and stuff, and they all go gray. They all get the ridiculous wrinkles. There's something about that job that is, the, it's the most stressful job probably on earth. It's just being around politics at all because I'm getting this stripe well, down my body. This well, turning but gray. it's not just being around politics. In all seriousness, imagine being like, there's a, a great scene in House of Cards. West Wing also addresses this where if you're alone, like as the, you're now president and you get to sit in the Oval Office and tell people to leave you alone, you're sitting there by yourself for the first time. It's like, oh, Crap. I mean, there's some. You don't make decisions at that level unless they're terrible decisions, like any option you pick for the most part. So I think it's just stressful. Um, and also, you have. 
it's kind of cool in the abstract, but it's not. It's like, oh, I could order, like, thousands of people dead if I wanted, as long as it's overseas. I mean, I can't kill <laughs> Americans, but... Uh, terrible. Anyway, anyway, this... Here, maybe in Waco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if there's good enough, you know, a good enough pretext, we can kill. No, they started the fire. (laughs) (laughs) We got to save the children by burning them. (laughs) But her, this is where she's coming from. Um, It's an American holy book, and I say that loosely, called "A Course in Miracles." It came out of New York City. They really do claim it's a scripture, not like just some self-help book or whatever. It's a new scripture that came out of the 1960s in New York. Uh, It's taken as genuine gospel by its readers and believers. Started by a Manhattan doctor who believes she was channeling new revelations from Jesus Christ himself. And this is where Miriam Williamson gets a lot of her stuff and a lot of what she says. Um, And apparently it's sold millions of what's, copies. What's it called again? Uh, let's see. A Course a, in course Miracles? In a Course in Miracles, yeah. Oh. It's no Dianetics, but, you know. It's doing okay. <laughs> it's doing okay. <laughs> and what's funny to me is, like, things like Mormonism or Scientology or whatever, like, Scientology, let's take it. If it's somebody sitting across from you going, now, think about your past. What, how was your relationship? It's really just kind of basic psychiatry at a certain level, and then they add all the the crazy stuff. I mean, but when your religion it was started by a guy who was one of the most prolific, not good, but one of the most prolific science fiction writers out there, like you should be a little skeptical, guys. <laughs> and and he was he was a rocket scientist too with that other guy. Yeah. And then they did they did some kind of ritual and then like a week later they blew themselves up with a rocket on accident. <laughs> <laughs> the one guy did. You know what's weird is like all my adult life I've heard about Scientology and all of that stuff and cannot for the life of me remember why when I was 13 my dad gave me Dianetics. Really? And I let me read it. Your dad's not a Scientologist. Or no. No. I mean he's he now is Christian. Yeah. But all, all of my childhood he was an agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he reads everything knows a lot about the bible knows a lot about a lot of stuff and it didn't it wasn't until like recently that i put the two together and realized what what the two were how the two were related hmm and it's i don't remember the content of the book but i just remember reading it Sounds like that's a good thing, because I don't know anything about either one of them, and I don't want to. I know one came from the other one, and that's well, it. It just seems like a scam on the face of it, though, in the sense, once you get involved, they're like, well, if you want to go to the next level, uh, you could Pay. donate more. <laughs> and it's like, I need a jet. Yeah, and there's a reason Tom Cruise was awarded some... Re- you can look it up, folks. The, the medal he was rewarded, and apparently has all these manservants that wait on him hand and foot. They pay me a lot. That'd be awesome. Kind of would be. And... Uh, there, I'm trying to think. Maybe it's Ron Miscavige. He did an interview where he talked. He he was he's the father of the guy who now runs Scientology, and he had been in Scientology for decades in one of their main like hubs in this secretive place you couldn't leave, like this compound you couldn't leave in Florida, I believe. And one day he was like, because his son became the head of it, stops talking to his dad, just writes him off like, oh, you you peasant. You're lower on the totem pole of our, you know, Scientology <laughs> beliefs here. And so the dad's kind of like, I've devoted my whole life to nonsense. And so he, like, <laughs> escapes. 
Like with his wife, they slowly like put all their stuff into the car so it's not the drugs. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that crazy. Is, that is awesome. And uh, it, it is amazing the things he talks about. How they manipulate people. How they are willing to lie. If you leave, the things they have said about this man who has been in Scientology forever, he kind of realized. Uh, this is not right. This is a big power play in many ways. But here's the thing, and it's kind of the point I was making with Scientology or any belief system. There are basic things about it that if you take them seriously, it'll bring some structure to your life. So it might seem like nonsense outside looking in, but there are basic things. It's like, okay, if you just think about your life and take accounting sessions, I think maybe in Scientology is what they call it, you get audited. Yeah, you get audited. You get audited? Mm-hmm. Not like financially audited. It's like, no, Seth, uh, you, you seem angry today. Why don't you come in for an auditing session? You're going to audit my feelers? Yeah, exactly. No. No. And they have you like hook up to something. It's like, oh, I just saw a reading here. Um it's like some Ouija board crap. Oh, and like you, you, when you were talking about your mother, the, the scales kind of went off. So could you revisit <laughs> that thought? It's like a shrink. It's a yeah. polygraph. I yeah. used, man, I got the lady at the gas station. I tell her all my problems. Right. There you go. <laughs> Just convenience stores. Yeah, convenience. It <laughs> conveniently fixes me while I get something to drink. But this, a Course in Miracles book, uh, for followers, it holds out a hope. That there is a greater world than the one that we are experiencing. That illness, emotional torment, fear, self-doubt, prejudice, etc., etc., are all simply illusions. Yeah, it's called being dead. All that stuff stops. (laughs) It stops. (laughs) Fantastic. You're coming back, Vernon. I already like you. I I told you, man. (laughs) This is fantastic. Um, Thanks for having me. Apparently, uh, Marianne Williamson has helped advance this, and it's she got on with Oprah and kind of is hooked up with Oprah and her self-help books are all based in this. If you read her tweets, now make, because her tweets really are, I'm not making up. She says, if you imagine yourself, if you're heartbroken, imagine yourself thinking about the person who broke your heart and pouring divine buckets of love all over them. Oh, that is so dirty. And Well, there is a weird, dirty subtext to a lot of what she says. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting though that she's actually coming from somewhere that has millions of followers. Divine I, I buckets would, of love. Yeah, I would say that kind of mirrors, like, um, or at least references the whole turn the other cheek. Yeah, there's a psychology behind that. Right. You know, um, you know, if somebody's giving you some crap, well, just be nice to them. They'll probably stop, and they'll wonder why. You know, that's what we were always taught. Like, yeah. Uh, you know the uh, what is it like the. Uh, Best revenge is a life lived well. Yeah, sort of, exactly. Sort of thing, but turn the other cheek. You don't have to get retribution or revenge on somebody that's mistreating you. And I think that if you internalize that while you're doing it, you can almost kind of trick yourself into not letting it bother you. Right. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom again in the law. And <clears throat> like, say, our more traditional religion, like Christianity, the Bible itself. Um, there's a reason, like this, Jordan Peterson did these lectures on the Bible from uh, psychology and Carl Jung, like the, the archetypes perspective. <laughs> and it's very popular with atheists. And they're like, why? Well, it's because he's actually unearthing a lot of the wisdom that's right there in the Bible. So I, and I think a lot of the new atheist community sort of wrote that stuff off. 
uh, without perspective or without context. I mean, they they don't have to believe it necessarily, and they can stick by, I guess, their non-belief. But uh, it it's interesting that you can write this stuff off and then go, oh, if you really look under the hood, there's some basic psychological truths to it. And yeah, if you are very resentful to somebody who breaks your heart, that's not going to be good for you. Um, it's not going to be good for you at all, Seth. Divine buckets of love. Yeah. So <laughs> fill up that bucket. I think you got a hole in your bucket. You need to plug it. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. fill it up with buckets of love. But the woman responsible for this uh, this new mystic religion is named Helen Shuckman, I believe. Is she like oysters? <laughs> she... It is, was unlikely, though, because her parents were non-practicing Jews, and she trained to become a psychologist at New York University. As an adult, she began having strange experiences. She had vivid dreams, and one she found herself in a dim cave unfurling a mysterious scroll. And once, while riding the subway, she saw her fellow passengers glow in holy light. It's bullcrap. <laughs> Or maybe she was like took some mushrooms or something. I don't know. I, okay, <laughs> I um, there's a guy that did this back in the 1930s. He was one of the really prolific like psychics that could write down stuff that would have happened. He would lay down and he would go to sleep, and he was a devouted Christian, you know. And he would lay down and go in this meditative state, and like um, Edgar Casey, that's his name. Yeah. It's from back in the day, man, and he would write all this stuff down, and like it would, it would. I mean, he'd be able to tell you. Well, and there's stuff. something to dreams, but I think yeah. when it gets a little, people, I think take these dreams, these images, and make them too literal. Like they take it as like, okay, this is true. I'm like, if you have weird experiences, yeah, you should address them, but maybe what you're seeing and hearing isn't exactly true, literally true. Well, I mean, you mentioned <clears throat> Carl Jung, and and I, I think one of the things, you know, why a lot of people are are kind of discounting some of that is because it, it you know young young was a psychologist but he's got a little bit more of that sort of spiritual aspect to it with the whole collective unconscious yes. so there does seem to be a little bit of a spiritual aspect to it that i don't think a lot of people subscribe to but you know like what would you say his name was edgar casey yeah i mean that you know that's something like with dreams maybe you're tapping into that mm-hmm. um and you know what was that? The men who stare at goats. Yeah. The whole remote. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever uh, learned about like the remote viewing? I've heard. A l- I'm not. I couldn't give it back to you right here now. I think I've seen something it's, on it. It's kind of. It's basically the same thing. You're just doing like predictive writing, but you're putting yourself into this yeah. sort of trance state to where you can tap into that. And I mean, a lot of people swear by it. I've I've researched it. You know, because I wanted to get rich quick or whatever. <laughs> sure, but it was it was it was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I think it goes back sort of towards that like collective consciousness. You know, the universe is like one big thing, and well, we're all just kind of projected down. And I kind of view all this stuff. Uh, I don't view it. I don't look down my nose at it. I I kind of you know, well, that's interesting. I've heard enough stories from people that are weird. Like, I've never had these experiences, but I'll respect people's kind of subjective beliefs. Like, okay, this is what you think happened to you, and who am I to do 
to deny it. What does it mean to you? How has it ordered your life? These sorts of things. And it's possible, like, from a scientific perspective or other perspectives, we don't have the words even to describe what's going on with these sorts of things. And it should be looked into more and taken uh, seriously. I love the fact, we've talked about it plenty on this show, of you now have mainstream medical uh, journals, doctors, different uh, scientists and psychiatrists looking into psychedelics and so-called psychedelics and their effect on the brain, what they can do. Like, it's amazing the the best addiction treatment. I mean, you can go through a, a 12-step or was it? Yeah, 12-step program, but uh, it really is a spiritual change in people is the best cure for any sort of addictive behavior. But they said things like psilocybin can lead you to that God experience or being one with the universe and you come out of it, you snap out of it, and you don't have your addiction. It's been oh, the most cool. effective, like... Yeah. Uh, tobacco treatment they've ever seen and it's I, I think that stuff's remarkable and again it should be uh, taken seriously and but this this woman in 1965 she was working as a research psychologist at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center so she's not a big dummy by any means yeah um, a voice addressed her she claimed it urged her to take dictation this is a course in miracles, it said. Please take notes. <laughs> I keep thinking there's some guy upstairs with like a can on a string right. talking into it. Well, and, and she claims at first, like all good, you know, spiritual heroes, she was hesitant. She didn't want to listen. But with the encouragement of a colleague, she began to write. She came to believe the voice belonged to Jesus. Her spirit channeling unspooled over several years, culminating in a three-volume, 1,300-page weighty tome and published in 1976 by the Foundation for Inner Peace. I want to know about her colleague, though. Like, uh, if, I, if, any of my fr- if I tell any of my friends I'm hearing voices and they want me to take notes, they're going to look <laughs> at me like I'm crazy. They're not going to yeah. tell me to take notes. Well, her colleague's name was William Thetford. So... I wonder what kind of hallucinogen she was taking. Well, but here's the thing. it's It might be derivative of other things. The book drew from older traditions like Christian science and New Thought, a related 19th century metaphysical movement. I mean, this has been going on in America. This is the thing. When you actually allow freedom of religion, the state isn't going, this is the religion you must believe. Religion flourishes. And it's not always going to make a lot of sense. People are going to go where they want to go with it. And you'll have your traditional face that remains strong for the most part, but a lot of those are deteriorating. You know, I was raised Catholic, Catholic Church in America in particular, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, the sex scandals definitely come to mind. But other reasons beyond that, they're having trouble reaching people. Um, they have trouble reaching me. It's just, it doesn't speak to the a lot of the modern problems. It can, I think the wisdom's there, but they don't always present it in a, in a very good way. Um, but look at this, folks. we got to hit a break. I want to get more into this because, again, Marianne Williamson is not just talking out of her ass. She's actually part of some little tradition in this country, much like Scientology or Mormonism or whatnot. And I really do believe Mitt Romney's Mormonism hurt him when he ran in 2012. For better or for worse, you know, yeah, uh, it hurt him. I, I I heard it from you know Baptists and evangelicals here in Alabama. They don't like that stuff. They're very skeptical of it. And I mean, every single person I've met who's Mormon, this is not a good standard, but every single Mormon missionary I've met, great people. I've had fun with them. 
you know, hang out with them. I'll talk to them. I, I actually, I'm the guy when a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon comes to my door, I'm like, yeah, come on in, let's talk. This is going to be fun. I was just going to sit and play video games for two hours. This is a lot more fun. Here, you, you want to look at Maxim Magazine, you Mormon? That's some sweet tea. I answer the door in Maxim. I mean, you come to my house, I, I am answering in boxers. I am one of your temptation trials, sir. Yeah, how are you? Would you like a shot? Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, but here, we'll uh, we'll take this break, and before we do hit the break, though, we need to tell folks the show is brought to you in part by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He's helping out a lot of people I know. He's helped you out, right, Eric? Oh, he's still helping us out. Helping you out, helping yes. Greg out, yeah. um, helped other colleagues here in the building out, buying a home, selling their home. Um, he changed his own life by investing in real estate, learning how to manage properties, how to turn those investments into a monthly income, managing those properties. And after he changed his own life, he decided to become a full-time real estate agent at the Goodson Group uh, under Bo Goodson's tutelage. And he has now gone on to be a very successful real estate agent. And because he did it for himself, he's done it for a lot of people I've known. I've seen it firsthand. If you need a real estate agent to help you buy a home or sell your home, and it can be, you know, low-end, high-end, any point in between. Uh, you say your price point, Eddie will give you all sorts of options, especially options looking towards the future. Maybe you can do this renovation, and if you want to sell the house in the future, he can help you out with that. So if you're looking for a real estate agent, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. His number is 322-0662. Again, Seth, his number? 322-0662. We'll be right back. to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. We've got Mr. Spotlow here this evening. We have Eric here this evening. And a new addition to the show, Vernon's here. Hello. And uh, we've been going into the source of Marianne Williamson's entertaining but somewhat odd musings. And she's pulling from uh, this book written by a secular Jew in the 1960s called A Course in Miracles. And Williamson early on started searching. Like she learned transcendental meditation. Uh, she went and like convened with people, lived in the desert for a while in New Mexico. But then she found herself in New York. Hippies. Yeah, exactly. But uh, she found herself in New York City um, where she sang cabaret, Marianne Williamson did, and held temp jobs on the side. It was there at an Upper West Side house party that Miss Williamson happened upon a copy of the course. She remembered inspecting the surprisingly heavy book. The New Testament style language was peculiar, especially for someone raised in a Jewish family. And the prose was cryptic. There was no author mentioned, she recalled recently. It was odd, but it was also fascinating. She put the book on back on the coffee table, returned to the party, and thought little of it. Then time passed, as it always does, as she fought a reoccurring case of bronchitis. What have you been smoking, Marianne? And tenacious depression. 
the course rushed back to her mind. She recalled, something in me said, I want that book. Later that day, I went home, and it was sitting on my dining room table. A boyfriend had serendipitously picked up the full three-volume set of the mysterious book. To Miss Williamson, it was a sign. Well, of course it was. Of course it was. This time around, she threw herself into the text, and it resonated. Miss Williamson recalled it as her path out of hell. Hmm. I had an experience like that with a book, but it was like Berenstain Bears when I was growing up. <laughs> I want to know why she was on the West Side at this party. You know, West Side's always bad. No, I mean, it doesn't sound like she was exactly doing well in life at this point. Like, she was just kind of getting by in New York City in the 70s. Or, well, this might have been a little later. But apparently this book changed her life. Uh, this is her testament. Before the course, I felt like I was on a desperate journey to find God. But as much as I climbed up this huge flight of stone steps in front of the cathedral, my knees bloody and my elbows bloody. I love how gruesome she is. Yeah, I know, man. Buckets of Can love. you imagine her <laughs> up against Donald Trump? This, I mean, oh, I don't think oh. people are actually taking the time. This is my journey to Marianne God. Marianne Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> Marianne Williamson is absolutely bonkers, folks. Hey, you got a good one. She's just crazy. <laughs> read her book, read my book. And her man, her RBF, right? Can I say it? Oh, yeah. The, you know, mm, resting uh, face. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great. I mean, she looks mean, boy. Like, right. naturally, just standing there, she looks pissed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be. And, again, it's breaking the rule. I'm, again, looking to all these politicians. I can name a few that are good-looking. Tulsi Gabbard's good-looking. She kind of looks like your mom, Vern. Hey, don't you talk about my mom. <laughs> really? No, I want to get off this, this Williamson uh, politics thing, if you can call what we've been talking about tonight politics. But this is somebody yeah, running is. for president. And I would not be surprised if she gets on the next debate stage and the next and the next. Weirder things have happened. That's awesome. Weirder things have happened. And I think it's because she's coming. This is what is pretty awesome about America. And especially now that the Internet is becoming more and more prominent, not just in the culture, but in the political culture, is that all these weird pockets and enclaves of American society are starting to appear on the scene, in the political scene. And people kind of want to... Write it off, mainstream political culture wants to go, oh, what the hell is that? Did that with Donald Trump? I did that with Donald Trump. Everybody did. And then he started sort of gaining this momentum. And I think the more the Internet becomes the main source of how people inform themselves and decide what they're going to do, I think we're going to see more of this. I think less and less people will be watching what's on our television screens here in the studio, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or whatever, and it's going to be more the Internet, and you're going to get these weird pockets of culture that somehow gain the right momentum. I think the idea is that you only need 10%, like a devoted 10% of people in the country to really change things. She did good during the debate. Okay. She, right. I mean, I thought she did. She would take a little floor, and those dudes would shut up and start paying attention to her. Mm. I mean, what I I want to though get away from this because y'all were talking about something off air before we went on air 
the uh, about nail guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've used a nail gun before. I've actually, you know, I've helped my dad build things. Like I've I've been around them. I helped my dad build things too, and he's sitting over there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, <clears throat> let's start with Seth. <laughs> Have you ever shot yourself with a nail gun? Only twice. Only twice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you, we really, let's audit this. Let's uh, audit this moment. Let's uh, revisit Okay, this. so the first time, I was framing a house, yeah. and it bounced, and I held my finger up, and there was a nail through it, and I said, what do I do? And he said, pull it out. So I pulled it out, and then that was the end of that day. Did you break anything, or No, just, it, just, it just went through. Okay. And I, I pulled it out, and then... You didn't need stitches or anything? No, because it was just a, two holes, one in, one out. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the second, the second time. Because, time. okay, now you've already impaled your hand, your finger, yes. which I'm sure it hurt like hell, right? Uh, after. After. Yeah. Oh, so adrenaline got going. Well, no, I mean, it's like, ta-da! And then right. that, that second one, you don't feel anything. You're just like, oh, something happened. I felt pressure. And then you hold your hand up, and you have, like, a nail going through your finger. So, so you, this and that's happened, why I was like, what do I do? No, this has happened to you once, so... The second you know, time. fool me once, shame on you. Fool me time. twice, to quote W, I won't get fooled again. Well, the second time I was putting <laughs> up a p- privacy fence, and uh, mm-hmm. it bounced again. And I shot myself in the fifth pocket. Yeah, that, well, you but know... That, that better not be some weird euphemism. I thought he was talking about the zipper. <laughs> the, the watch no, pocket. Yeah, the, the coin pocket on your pants. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of layers of jean right there. Sure. So you take a frame and nail gun, and it goes tow, and then tow right there on the pocket. So you went to hit one part of the fence, and, it bounced off. Yeah, and the second thing it hit was my leg right there in the fifth pocket through all those layers. And because of all those layers, it stopped the nail. And so I had a nail about an inch through, like, into the stuff. It, and it didn't There's go not an inch of gene there. I no. Well, I mean, it was sticking out this much. So, like, a, oh, okay. maybe a half an inch of it went in. So or it would have gone into your hip. Uh, well, uh, it got a little, it went in a little bit, not much. Oh, Just I, the tip. Yeah, but it was, it, was hanging, <laughs> it was sticking out, man. It was sticking out, too. I pulled it out. And, oh, Lord. Yeah. Who's next? Be careful. Have y'all ever impaled yourself with nail guns? Anything weird? Yeah, just the one time. No, really. It, it was remarkably similar to uh, your experience. Um, I was putting together like uh, these kind of crates, shooting like two by fours. I had a warped one, so I'm trying to like pull it with my right hand, shoot with my left hand, and it double tapped and shot like through two inches of air, and then it was just you know in my finger. Same thing. What do I do? <laughs> you know, so I asked, I said, well, do you need to go to the hospital? Uh, I don't think so. He's like, well, then just pull it out. So we got pliers, and Ooh. I did the thing where, I, like, I held my finger, and then I held it with the other hand. Okay. And then we had... Cut off circulation. Somebody, now just to grab it. Oh, just to get <laughs> yeah, some leverage. It was in there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't budge. Ooh. I mean, it was in the meat. Ooh. And so we got the pliers, and we went, like, did the one, two, three, yank... Ooh. You know when you pry a uh, nail out of like wood, and it yeah, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like that. Oh, but yeah, and then it it didn't really hurt. It was pressure, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Seth. But you know, it didn't bleed. You know, there was just a hole, and I poured peroxide in it. And yeah, you know, I can up actually, I can actually relate. I don't have too many memories. We'll get to you in a second because mm-hmm. you you're 
quite a carpenter. I am. I mean, you fashioned that nice paddle over there. Yes. <laughs> Southern Wood abides. Indeed, he does. And and by the way, Southern Wood, if you're listening, I know you've had a good day. I'm just gay. You're a very happy man. <laughs> I know. I know that you are a very, very happy man. I'm trying to bring back gay to just mean happy. I'm going to bring it he back. He is a happy guy. Right. I'm going to take it back. I mean, those, those calves say happy, happy. I'll be gay with you, Joey. Yeah, absolutely. We're just going to be gay together. Very yes. happy people. Yes. Anyway. When I was five, <laughs> this was not a gay day. This is a very sad, sad day. Um, you can, it, the lights are low, but there's a pretty legit scar right there on my middle finger. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's about it's a few centimeters long there. I remember my mom was preparing for somebody's, like, wedding or baby shower, some woman party. And, uh, why did I say it that way? (laughs) Yeah, when the broads get together and they, uh, you know, they they have fun about kids and girl crap. Don't bring Um, women around on on my gay day. Look look here. It's going to ruin my mood. (laughs) <laughs> but I remember being five, and uh, I'll admit, being a mama's boy, I was like, can I help? So it's like, yeah, sure. And uh, th- you remember the apple slicers? They probably still have yeah. them around. Yeah, where you put it on top and you just push down. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can help me with this. She was doing it, but she's like, you can put your hand on top, too. Like, I remember this to this day, like vivid. I can see my hand. And unfortunately, my right hand was the hand on top with hers, pushing down. And my left hand had somehow, at least my middle finger on my left hand, had somehow gotten underneath the slicer. <laughs> so the apple slices like it should. And then all of a sudden, I looked down, and I can remember it didn't hurt. I'm like, oh, whoa. And it took like a legit chunk out of my finger where I think I could see bone. Like, it was bad. <laughs> and those things aren't very sharp either. No, so it was like a blunt cut. Like, it just took a... It didn't, like, slice. It just took yeah, a chunk just out. A laceration. <laughs> so was there, like, a slice of apple and then a slice of Joey? Yeah. Did you no, eat it? it? It was so bad that, uh, like, it, it was emergency room time. Ooh. And actually, the, the slicing, what I remember is the slicing didn't hurt that much. Or just, you know, having that carved out didn't really hurt. And it hurt afterwards and was like a weird, crazy doll pain. But my adrenaline was going so much, like, whatever. When they gave the uh, local anesthesia, like, the shot in there, mm-hmm. oh, my Lord, that hurt like hell. Oh, they put it in in there? Yeah, they just yeah. took a, a needle, a, you know, a syringe, and right in. Yeah. But again, remember, folks, I was five, and I was a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah! Fan, especially the live-action ones. And so, as they are... You know, sometimes I've heard it said that if you're cold or if you're in pain, cursing can actually distract your brain away from these things. But Busters proved it. Yeah, but again, I'm five, so I don't really know any good curse words. Oh, crab apples. Uh. No, so what I decided to yell, and everybody on the floor of the, the hospital heard it. Like, people stuck their head in. I yelled at the top of my lungs. I'll try to recreate it. Cowabunga! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess you were Michelangelo then, right? Yeah, and I remember the doctor thought it was so hilarious. He's like, you can come back to the doctor's lounge. You were awesome. <laughs> he gave me a Coke. It was good. Did that happen to you too? I remember being a kid. I was, we were five or six, and my little brother was, we just went in for a checkup. 
and he's jumping off of the the table to like my mom and he fell and like busted his head wide open like Ooh. right in there but lucky for me it wasn't a gay day because <laughs> i got to go with the uh, attractive nurse nice up, upstairs well, there, you weren't gosh. happy about being with the attractive nurse yeah, it totally was. So you were definitely gay that day. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's I'm trying to bring gay. it back. It doesn't mean, <laughs> and that's know, and that's why I like Dr. Pepper to this day. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, now back to uh, the one that must have shot himself with a nail gun. Yeah, you. Have I was waiting for the nail gun to appear in your story. It's, no, I don't have a nail gun oh, okay. story. I, I'm saying I've injured my finger before. <laughs> Like in a not like oh I stubbed it or whatever or I mean, jammed it. It really for me you just pick. You pick, work with wood oh, a lot. Pick, okay, let's pick go a, a power tool and I will tell you a bloody story let, about let, it. Wait, nine and a half. Oh wait, we'll call you nine and three quarters because that's how many fingers you have. <laughs> don't you lo- don't have you lost a my, chunk my, of one? Can I have a thumb flip you <laughs> off? <laughs> how yeah, this happen? I cut the tip of my thumb off with a table saw. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, how did this happen? I. <clears throat> Am pushing a two by four, ripping it down, mm-hmm. and I I have been working with wood since I was eleven. Wait, is it noticeable? Can you show me the thumb? Yeah, <laughs> you, was, you started this gay thing. Whoa, that's nuts, man! Like it's not that noticeable. Not, if, like not, 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 not now. Not if you look at my hand, but when I stick my other thumb next to it, <laughs> right. you can see that it's shorter. That's nuts. But the nails grown exactly yeah. to where. Okay, very cool. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I, I'm comfortable in, I'm still safe, but I'm comfortable and I don't know why it was like a Saturday and I'm just trying to get through with whatever I was building or whatever. And I honestly think I re- I reached across and to get this, the cutoff piece away from the blade mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nicked the blade and Whoa. it, it was like. It grabbed my thumb, slammed it onto the table, and cut through it. I didn't, it. it. There's like there was no piece left. It was just my thumb was mangled. Sure. And so because you nicked it and it's going full power, it really did just grab you, pulled it yeah. down. Okay. This was a bandsaw too, right? A table saw. A table saw. Table Ooh, saw. that's just wonderful. No, a table saw was when I was twelve, or a bandsaw when I was when I was twelve. <laughs> yeah. How about a circular saw? No, they. I'm really scared of those. Yeah, those are really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very careful. Extra safe with that, but no, it's. uh, So I'm like, I I look down and I see it and it's not bleeding yet, so I'm like, well, uh, damn, what do I do? And I I I grabbed it and went over to the sink and I started washing it, and after I went, I, I. Wrapped it with some paper towels, all I had. Closed the shop down. Drove myself over to Baptist East. Yeah, this is not a gay day. This is a very <laughs> sad, sad day. But yeah, and uh, it wouldn't stop bleeding. Ooh. And of course, the somewhere I've got to find the picture. Somewhere I've got the pictures of the X-ray. How old were you when this happened? Oh, it wasn't long ago. Two years ago. Happened oh, last wow. week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you're in your thirties when this happens. Yeah. He showed me. It was gross. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and it wouldn't stop bleeding. So they they're looking at it, and the only thing they can do is put stitches in it. And thirty three years old, this is the first time I've ever had stitches, ever broken a bone, and it was just the tip of my thumb. But they go in, uh, 
right about where the joint of my thumb is in near the palm of my hand and mm-hmm. that's where they start sticking the needles for the the anesthesia yeah yeah you feel that that is very painful yeah but then i got to watch her put six stitches in the end of my thumb mm. and that didn't hold so then she moved to the this cauterizing pin that like <laughs> burns the blood vessels to seal them. I've had it. I had to get a wart removed once. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Gunpowder in a lighter, yeah. boy. Yeah. Ooh, that's the most recent. Oh, the most recent. Yeah. Is there? A more? I mean, when I was 12, I was cutting a sailboat out on the bandsaw in the shop in the backyard, and probably the first time ever using a bandsaw. <clears throat> and I'm pushing with my thumb along the cut line to finish the cut. And, of course, my thumb is where the cut line is, where the blade comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's it was just enough to slice the end of my thumb. But it's, I mean, I, my thumbs, my both of my thumbs have ridges. So they even now? On the nails from having hit my thumbs with a hammer. Over the years. Well, just know, though, based on the wisdom found in A Course on Miracles, you came from a place of consciousness. That pain was just your the body you're trapped in screaming out to go back to its origins. Gotcha. Yeah, there's no such thing as illness or emotional torment or fear and all that. Buckets so if I think, just illusion. Hard, if yeah. I think hard enough, right. I can make the diabetes go away. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to look how the book opens. It's something like uh, there. there's nothing unreal. Everything is real. Thus lies the inner peace of God. I like what we all have in common about the story is that we all look down and we're like, what do I do? Oh, sure. <laughs> That's how you yeah. react to that stuff. I mean, what's the more... Well, we only really have a minute left. Is there a particular injury that was the most horrifying for you? That was the most recent. Uh, That's probably the most horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, I know Lord. it was the most painful. It hurt in the moment or just later? It, no, it it's it was almost yeah. It was it was it, it was I'm asking such a dumb question. It's like, hey, a bandsaw cutting off the tip of your thumb? Did that hurt? Yeah, it's, it hurt. It hurt. Because yeah. it, it, well, I mean, not only did it was I my thumb cut, but it felt like I'd hit it with a hammer. <laughs> well, oh. pay attention when you use power tools. Always. Well, on that note, folks, we had to say. Good night and goodbye. Uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Vernon. It's great thank having you. you tonight. Thanks man. for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome it. back. We'd love this. Sweet. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks for listening.